Hello, this is Sean Leary, and welcome to QC Uncut, the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities, offering you uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. We are here in the awesome Theo's Java Hut in downtown Rock Island, one of my favorite haunts, has been for quite some time, and really the spot where the whole coffee shop phenomenon started in the Quad Cities, and Theo's is, was the first one to open up like way back in the 90s, before Friends, before Starbucks, well, before Starbucks went now. National, there was there was Theo's, and so I am down here with my good friend Andrew Arnold, who has been a guest on the show a couple times before. He ran for Alderman at Large in downtown Davenport. We talked to him about that. We talked to him about his uh, company QC Solar. Now he has a new um, entrepreneurial venture. It is called the Independent Malting Company, and it is. Um, it sounds like it's going to be a brew pub, and that was my first reaction. <laughs> is it's going to be another brew pub? But it's not. It's something much more. And when you listen to the concept. You, like me, are going to realize, wow, that's a freaking brilliant idea. Uh, it, it, it's kind of, it's going to be a brewery which helps out all the local brew pubs and gives them kind of backup to enable them to brew more beer, which is really an ingenious idea to me because you've already got like 11 brew pubs around here with more seemingly opening up every day. Then having a backup to them, somebody that can help them out, is really kind of a cool idea. So let's welcome Andrew on the show, have him talk a little bit more about this and, and how you, yes you, can be an investor in this business venture. Andrew, thanks so much for being back on the show. Thanks for asking me back. Yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting idea. Um, you know, I'm, I'm from the area, love the area. Uh, and one of the things that always intrigues me is the, the history that we have here in the Quad Cities. We have some fantastic stuff that when you tell people, uh, they don't believe you. You know, about the NFL, about sliced bread, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan, uh, uh, Walt Disney, the, the whole nine yards. Uh, it's, 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 it's an amazing history that we have here. And I'm kind of wanting to tap into that. Uh, I'm going to open up a brewery on the west end of Davenport. It's called Independent Malting Company. And the reason why I'm calling it Independent Malting Company and I'm opening on the west end of Davenport is because there used to be uh, a brewery on the west end of Davenport called Independent Malting Company. And it was one of the largest um, uh, breweries and malting companies in the state of Iowa. Um, well, around what time is this? And did you have to negotiate for like copyright or you know name or anything like that in regard to that? Uh, no, no, not at all. That's the great thing about history is, uh, for the most part, uh, if you if you do your if you do your digging, you do your searching, you can contact you know certain folks and see if uh, if they can help you out. Uh, if there's any sort of uh, patents, if there's any sort of uh, trademarks, if there's anything like that, and that's kind of how it all started. Actually, it all started from writing a book. I was writing a book about uh, Quad City beer history and um, I started digging into how great of a pass that we had and I contacted folks and one thing led to another and uh, I realized that this would be an excellent opportunity to uh, to actually open up a brewery on the west end of Davenport um, especially in uh, 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 the Quad City's second oldest standing brewery that's still up. Um, actually the last uh, piece of it of, of Independent Malting Company uh, is is a bottling plant, but it's huge. It's absolutely huge, and that's where we're actually going to be brewing uh, the beer. What's the address on it? It's 1801 West Third Street, Davenport. Uh, for those of us unfamiliar with the addresses over there, give us kind of a geography lesson on what's nearby. 
Okay, so um, if you are familiar with Davenport, uh, there is uh, 3rd Street and 4th Street. Uh, 4th Street is the um, uh, is the one way that's heading towards the West End, and 3rd Street is the uh, street that's heading towards downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closest uh, cross street uh, is actually Division. So, we so you're looking at like Jeff's car corner and stuff, right? Exactly, but one block south. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, most people, when they go through the area, they'll drive by, and they won't see it when they're pulling up on it. And then they cross the railroad tracks, and they look in the rearview mirror, and there it is. There's a gigantic building just standing there. Um, so, yeah, I've had friends that have come by, and it's like, yeah, I, I don't know where it is exactly. And I would, like, I would just say, you know, just it's you know, turn around. And when you go over the train tracks, just kind of look in your rearview mirror, and sure enough, there it is. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's a nice little hidden gem. It's a little hidden treasure. But that's the great thing about history is that when you find these little things it just it it, 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 it it blows your mind and so I grew up on the West End and I had no idea that this was even here you know in my neighborhood there was the old Navy uh, 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 housing that was over there which is you know completely covered up by trees and brush and everything else and it has been you know for as long as I can remember uh, it's now being developed into uh, brand new housing and it looks absolutely gorgeous and the idea of just taking a, an old building that's been here for decades and decades and decades and kind of refurbishing it uh, is is a great idea uh, and so that's kind of what I wanted to do with the brewery when I when I originally started like I said when I originally started working on the book I found out that there was all these different places that were still around so I went and took a look took pictures and then kind of realized that we've got a pretty interesting beer scene here and so I would talk to other uh, breweries in the area and they're like how's the book coming along you know um, you know uh, you know uh, do you have any you know new information you know you should contact so-and-so you should contact so and so, they know all you know. They know all about this. And when I would talk to them about that, um, I was just I was just enthralled by how friendly and how. Uh, uh, helpful everybody was within the, the beer community you know uh, radical talks to front street front street talks to five cities five cities talks to uh, Crawford Crawford talks to uh, great river every, everyone is just like it's like a big family yeah you look at the the I was just down at the big swing the other night and they have um, they have a, a beer by wake that's down there um, Nate from radical was coming down I ran into him when I was leaving uh, rich yeah um, at uh, from uh, Radical. Who the hell am I thinking of? Nate. Who am I thinking of? Nate from uh, Ben? That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, brain fart. <laughs> Rich from Radical. <laughs> so walking in. And so... Uh, uh, and they were looking at, you know, I asked him, I'm like, hey, don't you guys have a, a beer on the menu here or something? And he says, oh, we're talking to him about it. And so, yeah, it's like everybody's kind of, you know, everybody kind of gets along because um, they all realize they're all, they're all providing something different. And like like the column I do for the website, Let's Have a Drink, um, you know, I go around and sample all these different beers. And they are, they're all different. I mean, they're all distinct. They all have their own little thing and they're all in their own, you know, little neighborhoods and stuff like that. And, and so it's kind of cool how everybody has worked together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when, when talking to these folks, you know, it, it always kept popping up that, uh, you know, their beers are doing really well and, and, uh, they're always, they, they always have a different flavor, uh, that that's coming out and like mm-hmm. everyone's just really excited about what they're doing. Nobody's really stepping on anybody else's toes. Right. Uh, no one's, you know, stealing, uh, ideas or anything else like that. It's just like, so what do you got going on? Oh, that sounds cool. How can I help? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I kind of like that atmosphere. It was really cool. Well, one of the things I noticed once I started talking to a, fo- a few of these folks, they're like, oh, actually, we don't brew all of our uh, beer here on site because we got so popular so fast. Mm-hmm. 
And so that kind of dawned on me that, uh, you know, instead of sending that, that beer out, you know, why not try and keep it here as best as we possibly can, right? So I figured, uh, you know, uh, uh, see if maybe we can find a space, see if we can do something about this. And that's when uh, I, uh, I decided, well, why not see if we can get the, uh, the building uh, over on uh, West 3rd Street, right? Um, actually, that's, that wasn't the initial thought. The initial thought behind the brewery itself was, I love Davenport history. I love Quad Cities history. And I thought it'd be really cool if we could turn that into a museum mm-hmm. and, a, and a brewery at the same time. You know, a possible, like, you know, a little, little, little uh, nano brewery, as it were, like everyone else had, right? Yeah, right. And then once I actually saw the place and saw how big it was and what kind of equipment can actually fit in there, then it dawned on me. This is probably the best thing to do. So I sat down, uh, did the uh, did the business plan, and the three legs of it were uh, first and foremost, it was going to be a brewery. Uh, I didn't have uh, I didn't have a pub in there whatsoever. Uh, it was just going to be a brewery, and it was going to be a museum on the second floor, and that was it. People could come over, they could uh, you know tour the facility, they could uh, see the history of beer in the Quad Cities uh, in its original. Um, uh, 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 setting, you know, I thought that was a really cool idea. Um, and then I started talking to other uh, uh, brewers in the area, not just brewers, but home brewers. And these folks are putting out fantastic beers. And I just kept thinking to myself, you're just putting these beers out to your friends and family. And, you know, what about, you know, going up on a, on a bigger scale? And, uh, they were like, well, I don't, you know, we can't do that. You know, we're, we don't want to put the money into it or it's going to take so much time or, you know, whatever the, whatever the reason was. So I got to think, well, what about just doing a contract with these folks? You know, if you have a recipe, uh, independent can buy that recipe for you. Um, and then you can get up on the rig and up and uh, scale it up. And then uh, we can go ahead and give you uh, some profits from the beer. And if it does well, you know, we'll keep it in rotation as it were. So that was, that was, uh, one of the, that was pretty much the third idea. So the three ideas behind Independent Malting Company is, is that we're going to be brewing original, historic Davenport beers. Second is, is we're going to uh, upscale uh, homebrewers' beers and uh, put them on taps and, and, and uh, hopefully get a little uh, cash flowing here uh, in the Quad Cities. And third, we were going to do some contract brewing. So that way, um, you know, the, the breweries that are here that, that, that are already up or will uh, open up because, like you said beforehand, there are breweries that are starting to pop up left and right. Uh, they will not have to worry about um, the expanse problem that so many places have worried about. I mean, if you opened up a, a brewery uh, 10 years ago, I, 15 years ago, uh, people would you know would say, oh, this is going to be enough. You know, we've got we've got five fermenters and we're going to be fine. We won't have to worry about it. And then after that first year. They're, they do so well that they either have to find a brand new location to, to brew beer or they have to find a contractor. And uh, that seems to be the, uh, the, the continual song uh, for, for breweries, not just here in the Quad Cities, but throughout the United States. Now, um, you meant the, the third is fairly self-explanatory. You're helping out already established businesses create a, back, create a back stock, create a larger amount of stock that they would have. The first two, on the other hand, explain a little bit more about those. Um, now, you're, you would be creating beers for independents, brewers. Where would those go? Would you then be negotiating with other 
local spots like Awake or Radical or Front Street or something like that on behalf of those people or would like Wake, Front Street, Radical, whoever come to you and say, hey, what do you got for me? What, do you, what interesting stuff do you got? And you go, oh, well, I've got this... Um, coconut beer or something like that or whatever and and right. oh wow that's kind of interesting let's try it. oh that's good i'm I think i'm gonna carry it and then you they would have it distributed at these various breweries around or brew pubs around the quad cities at which point the creator of that would get a slice of it and you'd get a slice of it etc cetera, etc cetera. now is that, is that how it would work or am i wrong at some you know description of that along the way okay so one of the interesting things uh that i saw when i was doing my research on on the building and the company itself was on the second floor they had a thing called the ballroom and the ballroom was for people that wanted to come in and buy the beer and and and, and try the different types of beers and they would show they would you know they throw they put on a show and the show for the most part was you know people dancing a lot you know live music and then a bar over in the corner would have the different types of beers and this is kind of how they they brought people in now when i originally had the idea i thought i'd take a picture and jack nicholson's in the middle of it and they're all ghosts <laughs> it was it was it it was it was it was very debonair. Um, it was it was very nice. You know, the people dressed up, and it, they, it was it was it was a real big event uh, for for these folks. So, so I got to thinking uh, I was just going to have a, a brewery and a museum. But eventually, what happened was is I I, I decided I was going to have an element of a uh, a brew pub. Uh, so it's gonna we're we're opening uh, the tasting room, which will actually be on this, which will be actually in the building, um, and it, it's gonna be about hopefully about maybe twenty to thirty people, uh, not too many folks can come in, but uh, we will have uh, our lines up that'll have uh, our home brewers beer on tap, and we'll have our historic beers on tap as well. So I'm assuming those are smaller batch. You're going to have a bunch of smaller batch uh, accoutrements so that people can have smaller batches and greater variety. Yeah, correct. So we're going to have uh, we're, we'll have a few kegs, uh, you know, for the for the home brewers, uh, kind of like the, the old days of radio. You know, you put a song out, yeah. uh, and if a bunch of people liked it, they'd call into the radio station and they'd they'd, they'd find out. So we're going to keep tabs on on how fast the, the beers sell, that people really like the beer, and then that's how we would decide whether or not uh, we would have them, you know, do a few more batches and and put them on the calendar as it were so we'll be doing we'll be doing that uh, for for the home brewers uh, the historic beers will be the exact same thing. Like I said, this is going to be, it's, it's uh, the place inside, it's just a regular tasting room. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a very large place for the most part. It'll just be a place for folks to come in, sample the brand new beers, sample some of the historic beers, um, and of course, you know, check out the museum that we're going to have on the second floor. But primarily it's going to be a brewery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. How many? Uh, I mean, how many beers do you anticipate having on tap there at any given time? Um, just judging by the number of people that you know that are doing this, um, the number of businesses you've talked to, uh, and is it going to be when you talk about the tasting room? Is the tasting room going to be? dedicated more to the micro batches whereas the larger fermenters and stuff are primarily to help out you know the larger brewers in the area how exactly is is that going to work how is that going to shake out and and like you said like you, you first start out radio 
somebody put out a single and it gets big and then you know you go to the big you know and you start brewing bigger batches is that how it's kind of going to work where you're going to have like say i like i'm brewing some um you know honey honey coffee beer in my garage and i go hey andrew you know i really want to you know kind of get this out there and they're like okay cool you know give me a keg of it or whatever and we'll put it in the tasting room and it goes to the tasting room and everybody is like holy crap this is fantastic and then you know which wouldn't be the case if i was brewing beer because i don't know what the hell i'm doing but let's just hypothetical it and um so people like are like oh this is fantastic and they drink all of it and you're like crap i need more of this stuff so i bring in more and then it's sells out again at which point would you can is that when you kind of move up and you consider hey i'm gonna amp it up maybe we put it into one of the bigger you know rotations and then maybe we give you know the the boys at uh, bent or radical or whoever a call and say hey we've got this beer over here that's doing really well it's selling out it's real hot you want to come down and try it and see you know if it's something that might fit in where you're at so so the basic idea behind the the home brewers side of it would be uh you would come to us if you had a uh, a recipe you know or we come to you because you know everyone seems to talk to everyone else here sure. in, in the community uh, Mugs is a really big uh, homebrewer club that we uh, that that that, uh, that that we look to from time to time. Um, so what would happen is is that uh, you would come to us and we would you know taste the beer that you've produced and if it's good enough uh, then at that moment we would go ahead and buy the recipe and then we would scale it up and put it up on our put it up on our uh, on our system uh, once it was uh, once it was brewed we'd go ahead and keg we'd keg uh, you know a, a couple rounds you know, like uh, three you know three to five kegs and then we put it on our lines we'd advertise you know these are our new home brewers that are coming in come on down to independent and try the new homebrew stuff and uh, like anything else like I said before you know a lot of the other brewers that are in the area, they stop by every other brewery in the area and they sample the new stuff. I mean, everybody's sampling the brand new stuff. So what would happen is, is if, uh, you know, somebody at... Um, um, hypothetically, you know, uh, let's say Rich came down t- from Radical and had a homebrew that we had here at Independent, then he would go, "Wow, that, that's that's fantastic!" You know, I'd like to I'd like to buy a couple of kegs of that and put it on our lines. It would be the same thing, just like if uh, if you uh, if the owner of Thirsty Thirst, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, Thirsty's on third came over and was like, "I really like this beer. I like to put it on our lines. We want to go ahead and buy a couple of kegs. You know, just just supply and demand for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then based on those uh, based on those numbers, then we would know exactly if it was a hit or if it was not a hit." Mm-hmm. So, what's a, have you talked to like High V or any place like that? So, if you had like a, a beer that became a local hit <laughs> and then it went regional right, right. with High V, because obviously they got um, uncommon. They've got a couple of you know, local beers, um, their taps throughout the quad cities. And then there's always the potential for that to go regional given their reach. Right. Uh, actually at this point, we're actually not going down that route right now. We're just, we're sticking it to local. We, we want to make sure that, uh, that the, uh, the bars and the restaurants and the other, uh, uh, brew pubs that are around here, if they want to have the beer, we'll grow that way. And then if we have the success that say, you know, great river or bent river has, then we can go ahead and, 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 upscale at that point. Uh, But right now we're not really uh, looking at that particular model. Uh, We're just making sure that the the, the bars and restaurants that are here in the Quad Cities are drinking local beer, are are, are stocked with local beer. Um, I'm assuming that the answer to this is going to be a yes. How you've 
I'm assuming you've gone around and talked to all of the brew pubs that are existing right now. What's the reaction been to this? And is their reaction and at least verbal promises in terms of like, yeah, we'd love to utilize this enough for you to think this is going to work financially because really that's your bread and butter i mean the tasting room is great and the little micro brewers and everything else are fantastic but you're going to make most of your money i would assume on helping out the existing brew pubs and kind of being a backup for them to allow them to create bigger batches or am i wrong in that um so the contract brewing itself is it's 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 a decent amount of of the beer that we're going to be producing like i said you know there's three different types of beers that we will be producing. I have talked to uh, some of the other brewery um, uh, folks about this, and they say they would definitely be interested to keep to brew through us and keep the money here. Uh, but not just keep the money here; it would actually keep the quality here as well. Um, there are there are uh, other you know, wonderful breweries that are that are brewing these beers, but at the same time, you know, uh, you can't travel you know 50, 60 miles just to make sure that one batch is good or whatever. You have to put your faith and trust in them that, that it actually is good. Well, in the cost, I would. I would assume that would impact the costs in a positive way if you're brewing it locally because then they don't have to pay transportation costs to and from wherever it is that they're going. Right, exactly. So transportation uh, storage is also mm-hmm. a problem, yeah. uh, is an issue as well. Whereas, uh, you know, if they wanted to, somebody could come, you know, one of the brewery, uh, one of the brewers could come over, make sure that everything's fine. And, and by the way, we're, we're using Crawford uh, uh, equipment. Uh, their, their, their kettles are being used uh, by many breweries within the area. So it's, it's, kind of, it's nice that it's universal. For the most part, so if uh, if you're brewing, if if if, if let's say um, um, uh, you're brewing on a Crawford your entire uh, your entire uh, uh, career, and uh, the uh, the company that you're contracting with doesn't brew on a Crawford, then there might be you know a little bit of a difference for the most part. But with us, you can come over, uh, make sure everything's okay, and then we can we can send that out, which will cut down on uh, costs. It'll cut down on storage as well, and of course, keep the money here which is very important. Um, how many beers do you envision being in the, the tasting room? And what do you think the tasting room is going to be like? I mean, how big is it? You're, you're talking about capacity of like 20, 25, a couple dozen people maybe. And uh, what's it going to look like? I mean, what are you lo- thinking about in terms of the ambiance of it? Uh, is it going to be like a little speakeasy or something where it's like exclusive? Or, or what, what, what is that gonna, what get, what's that section of uh, this going to be like? So it's definitely going to be different from most of the uh, brew pubs that you've been to, you know, with the exposed brick and the Edison lights and, mm-hmm. and such. No, we're actually going back towards uh, a very uh, older aesthetic. Um, it'll be modeled after, you know, the, the very late 19th century, very early 20th century types of places. Um, you know, wood, uh, wood tables, you know, nice wood bars, simple. Uh, we're going to have uh, seven taps. Uh, right now we're scheduled for seven taps. Um, where we'll have uh, half, uh, half. I'm sorry, uh, a third of them will be the historic beers. Uh, the other third will be the the homebrew beers, and then the, the other third will actually be a few that we're actually creating on our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Size wise, compare it to an existing space. Are you looking at like Wake? Uh, are you looking at Bent River, Rock Island? I mean, the, like one of the smaller like venues. Yeah, I could say that it's probably going to be the same size as Wake. Yeah, I would. I would say. I would say as far as uh, the, the seating area. It's definitely going to be the size of Wake. And how has the reception been in regard to? I know there are a couple. There's Poorhouse. Not Poorhouse up the hill. I'm trying to think. Who the hell am I thinking of? Um, Poorhouse on, on, uh, on Logan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the one I'm thinking of. It's uh, the other Logan one that's Barnes? like. 
Yeah, there's like two of them. There's two uh, bars around there because I drive by there. I tutor up on Northwest Davenport, and I always go down, you know, down the one way and take a right up division and go up all over the tracks and past Jeff's and everything else. So I drive by this place every damn time I go to tutor every week, and I always know, you know, there's like two beer. There's two places that I always drive by. There's two bars that I always drive by, and I can't remember the names of them, but they'd be right around the corner. How? What's the reception been like in terms of? Uh, you know these places are they like oh cool it's another place because they're really i don't from the the looks of things they're not offering homebrew beer you know (laughs) it looks like there's a lot of bud light specials and stuff that are being offered there okay so first off and nothing wrong with that but i'm just saying i I don't think you'd be competing for the same market necessarily all right first off that's that's an elitist uh thing to say and that's okay i'm not not being elitist and being descriptive (laughs) andrew i'm just saying like you know if you've got different markets you've got different things that you know people are offering and so it's not like you're coming in with another bar that's going to be similar to to what they're doing any more than like like if I'm driving by there and they go, oh, there's a wake style brew pub and a radical style brew pub right across the street from each other. Damn, they're gonna be pissed because here you come in and you're number three and you're like you know competing. You're all competing for you know you got the same similar yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. every bar has a different kind of ambiance, and so the bars that I'm driving by over there, they seem to have a different kind of ambiance. You know, I mean, it's di- I, I go to all different kinds of bars, so it doesn't matter for me. I'm just saying, I don't think that they'd necessarily look at you in the same level of, hey, you're competing for this kind of you know you're doing this kind of thing. You seem like you're doing your own thing, so you would think that they'd be like oh okay cool just brings more people to the area because you know you don't you go to your place and get what you got going on and then you go to the other places like oh hell let's go over here and check this bar out too because it's a little different and it's like being here in the district where you've got all different places offering different things yeah so so i know i know exactly what you're talking about and uh it's like difference between like steve's and 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 big swing you know big swings offering a different like you're looking at something that's more like big swing ish ish not to say but it's offering like more like homebrew beers and stuff like that you don't go to steve's and you're not getting homebrew beers you're ordering like you know it's a different kind of different kind of beer different kind of bar so so first i'd like to reiterate it's not really a bar it's not really a (laughs) brew pub it really isn't it's it's a brewery for if when i explain this to folks i always say it's a brewery first a museum second and a a small little tasting room third what we want to do is we want to create these beers that will go into bars like the garden a, a historic beautiful uh, bar. Uh, we want to go ahead and put this in Frick's, the oldest bar in Davenport. We want to promote these other restaurants and bars. You know, we want we want to say, you know, get, you know, get your independent malting uh, beer at you know, fricks, or you know, we're brewing these beers so the so the other bars in the area can go. Yes, we carry local beers. We carry uh, uh, you know tasty beers that are that are brewed and con- conceived right here in the Quad Cities. And I'll tell you this right now: uh, a lot of the bars that I went to on the West End, because I, I grew up in the West End, um, it's not all people over there drinking uh, Budweiser and Coors and stuff like that. Uh, you know, Bent River does really well over there. Great River does really well over there. Um, their, their their local beers are, are, they always have a tap for a local beer, and they also uh, usually have, you know, their refrigerator with bottles filled with them. And I'm always seeing folks drinking local beer. So this is just another example of getting more local beer into these local places. And so, of course, you know, when people come to visit, you know, we can also say, hey, if you like our beer here, you might also like it over at uh, the wooden nickel. 
Mm-hmm. You know, is that the spot I'm thinking of? Right up the hill. Is that <laughs> so? The wooden nickel. Wooden nickel is actually on. Um, uh, it's on Third Street. It's uh, a little bit farther west on Third Street mm-hmm. than where we are. Um, yeah, there's there's actually a, there's a series of, uh, of bars that are over there. Well, right. Yeah, there's uh, Thirsties, uh, and then right across from there is uh, oh, and I'm blanking on the name because when I grew, I grew up like a, like two blocks away from that place, I used to call it the it was the Commodore and the Open Door. So it was like the two doors were right there. Um, but uh, then the Wooden Nickel is about a block uh, east from that location, and then. Uh, um, I'm thinking that there's two places, like if you go up the hill on Division, or you're coming down, it's not, I don't think it's Frick's. No, no, there's nothing, no, there's no, there's no, you're, Isn't there? no you're thinking Marquette. Uh, I'm thinking of Marquette. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I don't pay attention. All I pay, I pay attention to landmarks. I'm not, you know, like oh, oh yeah, I got to turn right on here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 No. No. That's uh, that's the garden. There. It shows you how much I'm paying attention to the actual like the bars and stuff. I just remember driving past, like oh, there's a bar and there's another bar. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I was having this conversation the other day with a friend of mine where I said, uh, you know, I, I I grew up here, so it was normal to see you know people on motorcycles, and uh, so I I figured every every place was like Sturgis, and I figured that every place i'd travel to it would have a bar every like you know two blocks and then when i moved uh i realized that really wasn't uh the case for the most part um so coming uh, so when i moved back here uh a few years ago uh it just it hadn't changed you know the names a few names had changed for the most part but everyone was still kind of going out to the local bars it was nice it was very nice to have a local bar to go to like that and uh i feel like uh with uh, independent malting company we can inject a little history mm-hmm. into all of these bars that have that have been around for so long like i said you know fricks is the oldest one in davenport the Gardens is also. Uh, uh, is it? Is Frick, Frick's is the oldest bar in Amhorn? Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it, it was there before Independent Malting Company huh. opened up in uh, 1894. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the the exact date that Frick's was open. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's one of the oldest ones. And, and that's the thing. We have such a wonderful history here. Uh, in the Quad Cities that we can just kind of harness it. And I don't see that very often. You know, that's one of the things I think that, that's going to be a little bit different from our brewery than other breweries is that uh, most of the other breweries are just, they're, they're, they're conceived and constructed by home brewers that were like, yeah, I think I can put my house up on the market and take a few thousand dollars out from friends and family and open up a brewery and then it becomes successful. Uh, I have yet to see uh, a, 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 a brewery in the area that has not succeeded right from the get-go you know so um like i said you know most people are just like yeah we need to expand as fast as we possibly can because this first year was a lot bigger than we expected and that's why do you think that is that's an it's an interesting trend to me is like the fact that i mean the economy is not doing well for most people it's an it's an illusion it's an illusion economy at this point it looks good on paper because rich people are making a crap ton of money but the proletariat the the people that actually like go out and work for a living, nine to five, and bust their ass. I don't think they're doing as well, and you don't see that. And so they have a limited amount of disposable income. And it's intriguing to me that brew pubs are doing so well. And I think a lot of it is just the fact that it's a little bit of luxury you can afford. Mm-hmm. You can go beyond just like you know getting. Oh, I'm just going to get like a regular domestic beer or something like that. You can get something that's a little different, and there's a, a feeling of luxury to it. But it's one that only costs you like a dollar extra right. or something, and so it's a, it's an intriguing psychological component to things. Um, I always point I always point to uh, two thousand eight during the uh, housing crisis. Mm-hmm. Everyone's losing their mind. Uh, people are losing their 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 four hundred one ks. You know, their house is underwater. It's flipped. It's, it's just it's a mess. But at that time. 
Hollywood was doing gangbusters. 2008 was a record number, and it was because yeah. people were wanting to kind of get away. Yeah, you want escapism. Yeah, you want a little bit of escapism. Um, I that's that's part of it, but I also believe that um, people are looking to get a little value out of what they put their money into nowadays, uh, especially especially the millennials and Generation Xers for the most part. Um, they're looking for quality over quantity, mm-hmm. as it were, and I think that's why brew pubs kind of exploded. I mean, there, I mean, there, there is a history of that as well. Uh, prior to Prohibition, you know, we had thousands of breweries, and they were all local. Uh, not some of the best beer, but everyone liked a little bit of beer. Prohibition came. Uh, a lot of brewers didn't believe that it was going to be around for a while, uh, for as long as it was. Uh, and so when uh, the law, um, uh, when, when, uh, when the amendment came, uh, came in, uh, some of the breweries were not able to kind of bounce back, as it were. And that's when the nationalization kind of happened. So, like, And everyone's drinking Budweiser. Everyone's drinking Miller. Everyone's drinking Coors, and but during that time period, there was this fun little thing where you could go to different areas of the United States and you could pick up a case of something, right? Like you could pick up Yingling, you could pick up you know, you know that the entire uh, plot of Smoking the Bandit is about you know going and picking up Coors beer yeah. and trucking it all the way uh, across uh, state lines. You know, it's uh, it, it was about trying to you know get something a little bit different, a little bit uh, a little bit newer than what you're used to for the most part. And then of course the craft beer scene. Uh, kind of kicked up over on the East Coast and and people kind of like the different types of uh, beers other than just, you know, American Pilsner. People are like, well, what's an amber? Amber sounds fantastic. Or people would travel over to Europe and they would, you know, actually have like, you know, uh, a proper stout. And we'd be like, oh, we don't have this in the States. And so I think during the 80s and 90s, that kind of grew a little bit. And then what happened was is in the aughts, people were trying to they, they grew up on this beer. They grew up on Granddad's beer. They grew up on these recipes, and they started brewing their own beers. And they got to the point where, like, I'm sick and tired of doing a nine to five job. How much does it cost to open up a brewery, a, a nano brewery, like a very small brewery? And they found out that they could do it somewhat cheaply. And so they would, you know, get a few friends together, and they would uh, put their recipes up on the, uh, you know, in, in the tanks. And then the next thing you know. They're a huge success. And so then another one would open up and another one would open up, you know, in, 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 in cities. And then, uh, and then uh, people were just kind of like, well, hey, you know, yeah, it's, it's nice. We can, get, we, can get, uh, we can get a case of stones, but you need to uh, head on down to Bent River. They have this coffee beer I've never even heard of before, and it's fantastic. And then those folks would go ahead and take that beer, and they would, you know, go up to Minnesota, and they'd share it to folks there. Or they'd go out to Nevada, and they'd share it with them there. And... Next thing you know, these folks are taking orders for beers that they can't produce, and so they have to go ahead and send that out. And that's that, that's where that, that well, at least that's where the brewery side of it was. The consumer side of it was, this is something new and exciting, and I don't really have to um, have the palate of somebody that would go to like a fine restaurant and spend you know forty dollars on a meal and just be like, well, I'm full, and that was kind of good or whatever. Meanwhile, they could go to their local brewery and they could go, well, five bucks for a beer. I can have two or three of those, and I'll be fine. You know, I, that, that, that's not going to put a huge dent in my wallet, you know. And then once it was just more than a few stouts or a few ambers, once it became the rainbow, as it were, mm-hmm. then it became kind of an adventure. And people would come to town and say, hey, let's go on over to that brewery and try something out. You know, what's the new stuff that they have? That's where I think the explosion came from, is that we were tired of blandness, uh, we were tired of you know the same beer everywhere you went, uh, and uh, we wanted a little quality in our beer, and we're starting to get that now. You know, it'd be intriguing, and I know you're a, you like 
me are, are fascinated by history is to look at like um, the explosion in the early you know twentieth century of like you said of of breweries of of people brewing beer and that coincided with the explosion in immigration from Europe over to America you saw like a lot of people from Germany a lot of people from Ireland coming over um, it was a cultural thing. it's a cultural thing and, and and so they brought that from the old country over here and then you had prohibition and I wonder just curious like how much of prohibition was anti-immigration was based on the same sort of racist <laughs> anti-immigration seriously though like you think about it so much of so much of you know the law has been based upon sinister components of racial discrimination and right. you know even the continued uh, keeping marijuana illegal if you look in, in 1972 the government gave Richard Nixon a report that said marijuana is safer than alcohol. You should legalize it. And they said they should legalize it. Nixon kept it illegal in order to be able to jail his politi- jail political opponents, in order to jail people that they felt were transgressive, particularly because Vietnam was going on at the time and a lot of people who were protesting also used marijuana. And so they were using that as a way to jail protesters, which, you know, sounds like, oh, can paranoid conspiracy theory. Nope. Do your research. It's right there. You can find out that that's exactly what happened. And so you see that with prohibition I think is what you were seeing is so many people who were immigrants who were coming over and there was a huge anti-immigrant backlash in regard to that. They were making making more and more yeah. And they were actually making more and more money on this this new industry and so then you had a crackdown on it. Well then all that did is you know drive it underground and then all the bootleggers ended up making a crap ton more money than they probably would have made above ground so it's kind of interesting how it backfires now as, as far as prohibition is concerned here in the united states uh i do, i actually don't think that it, was, it had anything to do with immigration i think it was more along the lines of a religious issue uh you know the the, the real push uh, uh prior to the actual law being passed was um uh, folks that were sick and tired of their husbands or loved ones uh, getting drunk, spending you know their 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 paychecks and all their money uh, in town. You know they go in, the rent check would be spent, or 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 a payment would be spent, and uh, that would be a problem. Or you know th- there was complaints of uh, men coming home drunk and beating their wives and their children. Um, but the thing was is that this was pushed forward by teetotalers, right. people that weren't drinkers, right? And so they tried to they. Wanted wanted to crack down on the consumption of alcohol. Uh, And so in order to do that, they put a negative connotation on drinking. Uh, not to say that there wasn't any sort of truth behind that. You know, every 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 barrel of apples, there's going to be a few bad ones. So um, anything taken to an extreme usually ends up in a negative. Right. Exactly. And uh, at that time, uh, you know, including we, religion. <laughs> exactly. And it was it was a very easy thing for politicians to kind of you know jump on the bandwagon, right? Because people that were voting, you know, were usually uh, hardworking, upstanding, uh, uh, religious uh, individuals, right? And so uh, there was a a voter issue that was really pushing. The interesting thing is uh, here in the Quad Cities, you know, this was the immigrants that came here for the most part were Swedish and German and Norwegian. Um, and so 
so when the teetotalers kind of came through here, um, we, we didn't care. We were a bunch of Germans that loved beer, and that, you know, we weren't going to let that change. But the, the weird thing is, is over on the Iowa side, there was a little more, uh, there was a little more uh, acceptance of the teetotalers. But if you know your history about Davenport, Davenport was a hotbed uh, of sin. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, and it's a really interesting read. Uh, yeah, both Davenport and Rock Island were really, you know, uh, they were Davenport, actually. That was a very interesting thing. Uh, there's a great book uh, about Bucktown written by Jonathan Turner. I, I highly recommend people pick up and read. Uh, that kind of showcases that, that one specific part of Davenport uh, being so uh, <laughs> so raucous, as it were. You know, brothel, brewery, bar. Uh, the three B's, very important. But uh, over in Iowa, well, there, was, there was a few more teetotalers over there, but over here in Rock Island, uh, Rock Island, they were okay with it for the most part. And so brewers over in, in Iowa would actually have to brew their beer and get it bottled over here. So there's a lot of really fun labels that will actually say, uh, you know, uh, independent malting company or, or Blackhawk Brewery um, uh, bottled in Rock Island, Illinois. <laughs> it, was, it was very interesting. But as far as the immigration side of it, no. I don't think the prohibition uh, of alcohol uh, was something that was geared towards uh, a racial, uh, uh, one race or another, or a culture. Um, although, of, of course, at that time, you know, people had issues with the Irish, um, which if you know anything about, you know, American history, I, the Irish were definitely uh, prosecuted for, for a very long time. People weren't exactly happy with Germans after, you know, World War One. So, yeah, that's actually quite interesting, you know, after World War. There, there, are, two, there are two big uh, beer-consuming cultures, and uh, neither of which was exactly the favorite of a lot of Americans at the time. Yeah, so the German culture here in the Quad Cities after World War One kind of, you know, got a little quiet, mm-hmm. as it were. Uh, and then World War Two comes about, and uh, you know, uh, a lot of newspapers started to kind of, sh- you know, shut down. Uh, people changed their last names a bit, and it just it became kind of quiet, as it were. Um, I actually look at the cultural side of, of, of the Quad Cities, and you can you can see clearly where the German influence in the area changed during World War One and, and World War Two, uh, which is kind of a shame um, because you know we it was it was. Um, it was it was a group of folks that were just kind of you know ruining it for everybody else, and so but everyone else had to kind of change their entire life just because of it, um, which is a real shame. Um, but I think now that the best thing that we can do is kind of look at our history and say, yeah, that's that's how it is. You know, I lived in Germany for a few years, and they do something spectacular over there, which is uh, they uh, look at their history with a magnifying glass, accept it. Uh, and then move forward from there. You know, they're able to say, "Oh yeah, we did those horrible things," and uh, and uh, and it was just uh, a part of our history. But it's not who we are now. You know. So, will that be some of the history that's included in your museum? <laughs> like how I got to wind it back, wind the conversation back around. It seemed like it was meandering, and people are listening. What the hell are they talking about this crap for? Everything. There was a purpose to that. It was kind of like Shawshank Redemption. I always get back to like you know, oh wow, now I see the big picture. So that's some of the history that you're going to have over there. You're talking about having a museum. These are some of the things that you know people can go over and learn about. Yeah, exactly. So the museum aspect of it—that's that's the part that I'm really excited about. 
Uh, I know it sounds a little weird, and I probably should be pushing the beer aspect of it, but for my money, uh, it's it's the it's the community, it's the history. That's that's what's really got me moving forward on all of this. Uh, like I said, the, the 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 beginning of it was me writing a book on on beer history in the Quad Cities. Uh, but the museum is going to be really interesting. We're going to go ahead and we're going to uh, look back at uh, the first brewery in uh, in uh, in the Quad Cities, which is over in Davenport, uh, and we're going to look at every brewery that came up during that time period we're going to look at how they consolidated um, in uh, in the in the late 19th century and how they kind of broke apart after that we're going to look at how prohibition uh, uh, you know affected the area we're going to look at how our location um, independent it, it, it's it's been it's been a few other uh, breweries since then it was the independent malting company then the independent malting and brewing company and then it was um, um, uh, Blackhawk uh, Brewing Company, and then the last uh, brewery that was in there was called the Uchtdorf Brewing Company, which is that's pretty German, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to follow that history. We're going to find out. We're going to get stories from uh, uh, living descendants. We're going to we're going to be having we're going to have stories of people uh, that had relatives and family that worked in the beer industry prior to uh, the nationalization when we actually still brewed beer here in the Quad Cities because you know uh, it, it wasn't until 1957 that that changed. You know, 1957 was the last time we actually brewed here in in the Quad Cities. That wasn't until Front Street opened up in the 90s. So, uh, so and those folks are still around. Uh, and then those folks also had relatives that are still around as well that they like to tell the stories. Like I said, it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting. We're going to have uh, uh, the historic societies come over and meet. I'm working with a few of them right now to see if we can't get, you know, a, a nice comprehensive uh, history of beer um, in the Quad Cities. And, of course, when you talk about beer, you're also talking about the Quad Cities, you know, how everything kind of, you know, uh, was built up around it, you know, how the car industry in the Quad Cities was built here, you know, how John Deere did so well in the area, uh, you know, what, what, you know, what, uh, what made Big Spiderback actually, you know, uh, the, 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 the great musician that he was, you know, he, he was, he was playing here. He was playing in a lot of bars. Um, we're going to talk about, um, how the industry changed here in the Quad Cities, and uh, then we'll have a newer version of, uh, we'll have a newer history, which will uh, chronicle the, the rebirth of, of brewing in the Quad Cities uh, in the 90s as well. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it, the, the museum side of it is going to be rotating. Uh, we're going to have different time periods. We're going to have different um, uh, exhibits. We're going to have different, you know, bottles and histories, and it's, 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 it's going to be an ever-changing kind of uh, aspect to it. That's, that's what I'm really excited about. I'm hoping people are going to come over and um and and see the history drink a few of these historic beers um uh, and sit and talk you know and, and then maybe tell a few other folks about it and then uh take a little pride in the quad cities while you know having a pint or two and how can people invest in this? He's got kind of a unique uh, investment strategy set up where anybody can, can come in and be an investor. Yeah, so um, this is something I've been working on for about a year now. And uh, the last year I've been talking to uh, a handful of uh, uh, big big money investors for the most part. And uh, I had a hard time coming up with uh, uh, folks that were willing to put a, a, a certain amount of money up for a certain amount of money up for a certain amount of control as it were. Uh, there was a few folks that were ready to put 
the entire amount in, but they wanted you know 80% of the profits, and they wanted to uh, you know beer uh, brew other types of beers uh, that uh, that wouldn't really grow as it were you know they they wanted to you know brew a few of their beers and put them up on the lines and that was it like i didn't see any sort of um real contribution i either saw people that were wanting to take a large sum of money out of the brewery uh use it as a piggy bank or i saw people that were wanting to kind of use it as a kind of fun little project that they could bring their friends over and go hey look at this i'm a, i'm the owner of this type of brewery so after about a year of doing this uh, i finally sat down and decided I want this brewery to be, uh, first off, I want the brewery to be for the people, for the most part. Like, I want people to, you know, come to uh, come to the Quad Cities and go, yeah, they have a historic brewing, uh, brewery here, and you can learn all about the Quad Cities history, and it's, it's wonderful and great. Um, but I also want to put that money back into the, in the public as well. So in order to, to get this thing rolling, I decided I was going to put out 500,000 shares to the public that anybody could buy, one dollar, one share. That way you don't have to be somebody that has, you know, $100,000 or $500,000 or or a million dollars. No, if you have like a dollar, you're going to be part owner. You know, you are you are going to be up on our founder's wall. Um, you know, uh, now one dollar is great. Well, we're looking for a little bit more than that, but uh, but anybody can really get in on this, which is going to be fantastic. Um, uh, and of course, uh, for that, uh, for uh, for your investment, uh, uh, there's going to be a bevy of uh, of incentives for that. I mean, other than just being able to say, "Oh yeah, I'm part owner of a brewery," um, you know, we're going to put your name up on a, on uh, on our founders plaque. On our uh, that way, ever, th- that way, you're you're preserved in time. You actually took you're you're an active person in history, changing history. Uh, so you'll be preserved in that way. Um, you'll be a part of our uh, Draft Beer Preservation Society. Um, there'll be uh, 10% off of uh, beers for that first year. Um, and, of course, uh, you can always uh, roll over and buy more shares, as it were, so you can actually get an investment. Uh, that way, uh, anybody that wants to kind of dip their hand into, uh, into making money off of beer, they can. So, and I figure 500,000 shares is a pretty good uh, amount. It, 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 it's, 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 it's a decent amount of shares for the public to actually uh, buy. That way it's just not four or five people. It's the community that comes together to build this thing. So where can people go for more information, Andrew, and uh, give us a timeline of you know, where things are going in the future here? Okay. Um, well, currently you can go and check us out on Facebook, Independent Malting Company. Um, our website uh, will be active here shortly. That'll be independentmaltingcompany.com. Um, and then we're going to uh, be doing uh, a few more interviews like we're doing here with the fantastic and wonderful Sean Leary. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much about it at this, at this time. Uh, start date. What are you looking at for you know grand opening, all that kind of jazz? I know you're talking about the fall potentially. Right. So uh, I've been I've been out in the public, kind of talking to a few folks about this, uh, and the money is already starting to come in, which is fantastic. I was actually shocked at uh, how fast people uh, have opened up their wallets to to uh, to invest in the place. Uh, right now, we're projected for the end of uh, autumn, um, but again, that could actually get you know be here a lot sooner the, the faster the uh, the investments uh, come in so cool any last words andrew 
No, I guess that's pretty much about it. If you have any questions uh, or concerns about it, um, you can contact us through our, uh, our our Facebook website, and you can also contact us through the website itself. Awesome. Andrew Arnold, thank you so much for being my guest. He's the owner and proprietor of Independent Malting Company, a new concept coming to the Quad Cities. It's a brewery. It's a museum. It's a little tasting room slash brew pub. You can go check that out. We will have more information on this as it progresses here at quadcities.com, but as always, we're very happy to give you the scoop on the new things that are going to be happening in the Quad Cities and entertainment. So thank you so much for tuning in to QC Uncut, your place for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. Once again, my guest today has been Andrew Arnold from Independent Malting Company. Check them out on Facebook and their new website once it gets rolling. Um, check out uh, the company in the fall. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. So thanks a lot for tuning in. I'm Sean Leary. Have a great day.